There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome to Late Lunch Playback this first week in July. Not for the squeamish, but we begin with the story of an infestation of rats in a cul-de-sac in Trade of View on Drogheda's south side. Carl Reynolds, a resident, begins by describing the situation in one of the homes. One particular house now, so far would have caught about 50 rats in the house. That particular house, um, every entry point is completely sealed in the house. It has to be coming up through underground some way. Because they're living in the cavity walls, so they're going up and down attics, they're going under joists the floors, they're eating every pipe they can get there, they're eating all electricity. It's, it's, it's unbelievable that they're nesting under porches, which would be underground. They're nesting, uh, they're getting into bathrooms and nesting under shower trays, uh, um, presses and kitchens. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. So this one house is virtually under attack from rats. Is that an exception or is there others in similar situations? Not as bad. Not as bad. Um, it's more uh, the back gardens, under sheds. And they're actually burrowing underground, on, through the ground, underneath the, the fencings from one mm. house to the other and they're carrying on the whole way around the estate. So you believe the problem has got worse, say, since the beginning of this year? From, say, February on, because... Um, what they are doing now, they are eating their way out of the drains into people's gardens. They're coming up the drains in the street and they're running around the street. We have a load of CCT footage of them coming up the drains, going along around the streets, going into people's cars. So into a as car. a result, yeah, going into people's into cars. A car. Yeah, okay, okay. One, they, they actually there last week. They came out of the drain, ran straight for the car, and ran up into the engine. My, oh my, this is certainly a serious situation. And I'm just trying to think here and I'm trying to make sense of this. I wonder, has any new building development happened in the vicinity? You know when ground is broken new where they start to build in a field or something? I've seen it near where I live here. They disturb, you know, the, the natural pecking order. And if there are rats there, they tend to move and shift into people's houses and gardens. Can you pinpoint anything like that in the vicinity of Trade of You? Yeah, there is a, about, about a mile and a half away there's a, an estate being built. But uh, that would explain probably the recent surge. Mm. But um, it wouldn't explain the the houses going back years and plagued with these problems, you know. What steps have ye as residents taken to try and eliminate the problem? Well, at the moment, we've been trying to contact the council and we know with COVID and all that, uh, they're not in full walking, if you know what I mean. So we've been sending emails because they won't speak to us on the phone because they want us to send emails. So we're sending emails and they just don't come back to us. We hear no word. Well, I got word back. We uh, put in a request to Loud County Council this morning. We informed them that you were coming on to talk with me on late lunch. And we've just got this short reply. I'll read it to you and uh, you can comment on it when I do. Um, It says the council, that's Loud County Council, has notified the HSE of the problem in relation to vermin in the common areas. Vermin within a house is a matter for the tenant to address as per the tenancy agreement. That's a short statement from Louth County Council. What do you make of that? Yeah, well, we, we have seen the, the tenant agreement, all right, and it does mention about uh, in-house, but which is fair enough. But um, we have a massive problem with on the street. 
Mm. The, rats are, the rats are running around on the street. Our street's like a ghost town now. You can't let kids out. You can't let kids out your back because you, you have rats running to and fro. You don't know what they've done or what kind of disease. I know this Wells disease and all that. Is, is, we, just don't, we just don't know. We're afraid. Mm. So it is a, a, a widespread problem beyond the houses themselves. And just coming back to the houses, I take it people have gone the poisoning route in their houses, number one. And have you engaged with any pest control people? We have contacted pest control people, but um, they they will they will come and deal with the house, all right. But they will not deal with drains because they said that that's a, an Irish water and a and a council problem. So they can't they can't touch the the drains. Hmm. So I I just see you're between a rock and a hard place here, aren't you? You can do what you want in your own home and on your own property, but the problem is more extensive and goes beyond that, and that's the big issue for you folks. That's the big issue, yeah. We we can uh, we're afraid for our children, which is the big part. I ain't surprised because wheels disease is lethal. People have died, and if you get wheels disease, unless you're treated very very quickly, there is no prospect of living. And children, you know, out playing about, it comes from the urine of the rat. If he pees somewhere, it can be picked up quite easily. And I can understand this. I've seen, by the way, I want to tell our listeners, uh, you've been kind enough to send me the uh, videos and images. It's shocking, Carl. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's pretty harrowing to, to look at the pictures, especially. It really is. And I do not think anybody should have to live in the circumstances that you people are living in trade of you at the moment. I really be- believe that. So the extreme example you mentioned there of a home, but there are other homes and there's plenty of uh, rat activity. And you say it there out in the open area, you'll see them as well. You will, yeah. I, how do you feel like you heard that statement there? Do you know what I mean? It's been reported to the HSE. Do you take any solace in what the council has said there? No, not not really. No, like we just want somebody to come to us and tell us. Give us some yeah. kind of hope. Like we, we have no communication. We don't know what's happening. The basic thing is that somebody rings us, comes and sees us and, and then we can go from there. So you need engagement. You're asking, you're appealing today on LMFM Radio for the council to do more. Is that what you're saying? What about, you mentioned Irish Water there. Do you believe they have a role to play in it? I, we, we, we don't know. We, yeah. we, we, we just don't know. We'd like the council to come and tell us exactly what can be done, what have we to do, what can they do, and, and we can go from there and move forward. Because at the moment we just, we're talking to each other here and the stories are getting scarier and scarier. I actually received a, a picture yesterday of uh, somebody that has a rat trap and there is two dead rats in one rat trap. Yeah, so that there's a lot of rats about and they breed. I don't have to tell you, you know, you talk about breeding like mice or rats. They breed very rapidly when they get into a place. You know what I mean? The successive litters of them born right through the year and they multiply uh, by the new time. So this this now is a, a deadly serious situation for you people up there. You're worried that somebody is going to perhaps contracts wheels disease. That That's the huge worry, is it, with the children? It, it just, yes, it's a, it's, a, it's a serious health and safety issue. That's that's what boils down to. And, and again, you assure me and you're assuring listeners that as owners of the properties, uh, you've done what you can. You've done the best you can to try and eliminate the problem yourselves. We have. We have indeed. We're, tr- we're trying our best. Every, everybody's putting in poison. Everybody's putting in traps. But it's making no difference. It's, if anything, they're getting more brazen. They're, they're, they're running around in broad daylight, which apparently is, is a very brazen for a rat to do. So it, it must be a serious underground problem. I don't like them, I have to tell you. You know, and I, I, I creatures of, of, of the planet, everything has its place in this world. And they say you're never more than a few yards from a rat. But you shouldn't be a few yards from hundreds of rats, because that's what I would take it. That's the level you're talking about here. In your in your estimation, you'd reckon there's a huge population of them. Yes, I, I reckon there's hundreds. Mm. Yeah, what about uh, any other stories to tell me? There was one there, did I see one um, about a back garden and when it was investigated uh, under a shed, there was a lot of rats discovered there, yeah? Yeah, of course. There was, um, it was actually they were burrowing uh, under fences, so they're, they're digging their way through, through muck and concrete and they're coming between fences and then they're going up into sheds. Um, I actually, uh, there's another instance of a, um, a large dog run and there was a, a, a large uh, dog 
kennel and underneath that dog kennel they had tunnels dug and in the centre of it they had a, a large nest with about 10 rats and that's underneath a dog kennel. Mm. So we're talking about a, a very, very serious situation in trade of view on the south side of Drogheda. Children are restricted. I take it like, you know, when you, we've had a couple of very warm months and it's very muggy, even though the weather's a little changeable at the minute. You know, leaving doors open or windows open to ventilate your homes, not possible? Not possible, no. We, nobody would leave a window or a door open here for more than a couple of seconds. You, you can't. You, you just can't. They're, they're eating their way in through vents. There's people's vents and houses. They're eating away into that, getting into the house. The shivers are running down. You know when you get this thing, they say someone walked over your grave. Do you know that shiver you get down your spine? I've just got yeah. it here, just this second, yeah. as I as, as I try to even contemplate that. Well, well, I'll tell you, there's one poor girl that sits up most nights and she's sitting there with the light on on her phone and she can't sleep. She is afraid of her life. Who wouldn't be? The time for talking's over. It's just not right. Let's hope our highlighting the matter will ensure the situation is resolved. Lisa Connolly shot to national prominence overnight after she appeared in the RTE Investigates feature about the battle with COVID on the front line in St James's Hospital. We tracked down Lisa and she began by telling us what she does and how she befriended Patrick Cummins. I'm a support worker in the Granby Centre. It's in the heart of the city centre for the past three, almost two years. I became Patrick's key worker about two and a half years ago. And I just formed a bond with him. Um, he's such an amazing man. Our garden in the Granby Centre has a patch where he used to come out and do the gardening himself. And up till about, I'd say, three weeks before he passed away, before he went into hospital, I apologise, um, he was out washing his windows and everything. He was so inspirational. He, like, I couldn't have been more lucky to be his key worker. Mm. And he that bond, yeah, 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 I could see that. So he taught you a lot. He was in his late nineties. What? Just give us a little bit more about him. I know he had family not living in Ireland. They were all scattered and of an age as well. They're all quite elderly. Who yeah. was he? What did What did he do in his lifetime? Um, Patrick came to the Granby Centre over twenty years ago, and he he the Mount Street Club. He was in the Mount Street Club. And his job there was to separate the milk from the cream. And from the Mount Sheet Club, he came to the Granby Centre. And ever since, he's been living in the Granby Centre, being inspirational to ourselves, all the staff and all the residents. And... He lived there, the centre. It's a fantastic facility there in the heart of Dublin. But that was his home. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it, I'm so lucky to walk there. Every staff member deserves credit. It's amazing to walk this. And on Monday, with what we saw of you, going in every single day to see him, did you understand, and, and you, of course you put on your PPE and you were uh, protected yourself, but did you understand, you know, that you were going into an area of high risk because of COVID? I did, but it's my job to be a support worker. We also had a COVID case inside Granby Centre where myself and the service manager and among other staff went into the room and we actually isolated the person in the Granby Centre and we went into the room every day and checked his oxygen levels and gave him meals and there was I was aware of the risks but I would not leave anybody lying alone. And you went in every single day to see him. And early days, did did he know you? We saw him when he was nearing end of life there in uh, yeah. what was that, uh, you know, but... Um, a week before um, we knew that he was going to die, we went in to see him, myself and the two coordinators, Lisa and Tony. And um, we were able to speak to him. Then he was aware of who we were. And... Then the following week, then we were able to go back in because we were saying it was the end of life. And I, I was just allowed to go in because it's just one person, so the risk could reduce, like. Mm. And um, I just, I don't know, I just knew that, like, that he was going to pass away. And I wanted to be there on the day that he did so he didn't feel alone. 
Did he know himself, do you think? Or, you know, did he ever say anything to you in those last days or had you any conversations? No, we had conversations, as I said, the week before I had started going over to visit, knowing it was the end of life. Yeah. Um, no, he didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he I don't, I away. don't believe he, he knew. Mm. He lived a long life, though, didn't he? He was in his late oh, 90s. And I believe if COVID-19 didn't catch him, I believe with all my heart that he would have lived till 100. Ah, he'd have got Myself, the check from the president. Asked, uh, Daniel Jordan. Um, that's my colleague, he came to the funeral with me. Um, we used to talk to him about the party. Do you know the way the president gives you a party yep. when you're 100? Mm. So he yeah. was so amazing. Like, he, it's just amazing. Mm. He used to and always train us back together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, and saw everything. Take put yeah. buttons on his trousers and he was just amazing. Yeah, so he was a man who brought a lot of life experience and skills with him right through his life. And obviously, he deeply touched you. You you, you could see that. The, the, the watch, everybody's talking about the watch, Lisa, and you bringing that into him. And the new suit, of course, uh, to send him off in as well. Tell us a little story about the watch. I didn't really know the full story. Patrick didn't really tell me about the full story about the watch. But what I did know was when I'd come on shift and I'd go over and check in with Patrick, some days he would have all his furniture in the middle. He's so inspirational. In the mid- This is making me smile. In the middle of his floor. And he'd be looking for the watch. He'd be at the hiding the watch and then he couldn't find it. Say, This was, say, just a number of months ago. And he'd have all his furniture in the middle of the floor and myself with other staff would have to help him find the watch. So I knew that he treasured the watch. And when he went to isolation, he had hid the watch in the isolation unit that he was staying in. And um, the watch was hid, so the staff couldn't find it. And I just I just had to find it. So my my manager, Steve Loveland, he contacted somebody else and asked him, could he look around and be eventually found it? Mm. So it was special to him. Obviously, he treasured it immensely and there was a story to it and you knew that and you felt it was appropriate. The song you played to him when he passed away, why that song? That song, um, about a year ago, um, I was talking to Patrick and I was singing the song and asking him, did he like it? When I was in college, I learned to do music therapy and another client of mine who I worked with when I was a healthcare assistant she had to bench him and she was passing away. I used to play that song for her and um, and also when she was living, um, I used to play the song for her and I could just see that it made her happy. So I sang it for Patrick and he liked it. So uh, I chose that to play for him in the hospital. Ah, uh, it was just the final beautiful moment, honestly, uh, with him that... I, I will remember forever. I want to say to you, you're a fantastic young woman. You really are. You're wonderful. And I, I just want to tell you this. Here on LMFM Radio, we've a thing called the uh, COVID Community Hero Awards, and it's been running for a few months now with Sinead on our morning show uh, there, 11 yeah. to 1. And I'm stealing it from Sinead today because I am nominating you as an LMFM COVID Community Hero Award winner. Thank you. So deserved. What a wonderful young woman, Lisa Connolly. World Junior Darts Champion Keen Barry is competing again, but in a very different manner. Keen joined me during the week and I began by suggesting that as a darts player, unlike other sports people, he wasn't restricted in practising for competition. No, no, no. I suppose I'm one of the lucky, lucky people now. I, I can play from home and I, I can still do the same routine as I was always doing, so... I, I can keep sharp on top of my game for, from home, so the, the the lockdown didn't really affect me as much as it would other other say players who play football or anything else. So I was kind of a I was lucky in a way. And you stuck to the regime you told me about in the past, putting in those hours each day religiously. Yeah, yeah, that, you have to to keep to keep on top of your game and keep sharp. You have to put in the effort, no matter even say some days yet. You're like, oh, I don't even want to practice, but you just, you know yourself. If you don't do it, then it's just gonna, you're going to get in a bad habit of not doing this. So if you just keep doing it every every day, your your couple of mm. hours every day, like it, it's just, 
it keeps you sharp when everything goes back to normal, so it is. I always remember the famous saying, I think it was Jack Nicholas, the great golfer, who said, the more I practice, the luckier I get. Somebody was talking to him about luck, but it is so true, Keen. You put in the hours and you just have to do it. Well, tell me about this recent success you, you've had and how it's worked out for you. I take it you're not on the road, you're at home at the minute. So how do you play competitively? Um, I got I got invited to play in um, it's called a, a modus icon of darts league. There's a management company in England that invited me to play in it, and um, it, it's you have to be 18 to play in it. So I only got put in last week. So it's you think I play I play maybe three days a week, and uh, it's it's a league league for a league um, table each day. There's a winner each day. So I was put into that, and it's just you set up two webcams through the computer. There's, they have their own tech guy in England, so he, he can get onto my computer, put all the things I need up, and I just throw. So it's all done on the computer, and I can see his scores, he can see mine. So it's, it's crazy with the technology now. So <laughs> Isn't it just unbelievable? Here I'm talking to you about virtual darts, Keen. That's what it is. Yeah, it's mental now. Like I never would have thought of ever playing in it, so I wouldn't have. But it took a while to get used to it at the start. But after a while, it's just I have to come to terms. It is what it is now. I can't be able to play out, like I say, over in England or anything. So I have to kind of just make make do with what I have. So you're set up at home. Is it in the house or in an outhouse? Or where have you set up your hockey? I have it set up in, in the kitchen. It's, it's not the ideal place. Now. It's a bit, <laughs> bit tight, but. It's uh, it's still it's it does the job anyway. I, I can get set up. Or I need to get set up, so it, it's not too bad. Any trouble with the mother or anything about taking over our kitchen for competitive darts? Ah no no, she 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 be alright. She understands anyway, so it's uh, she's not not too bad with it. So it's not too bad, like. <laughs> God almighty, it is different. Like, I, I'll tell you, like, you, you may know this. I, I'm the same. I'm at home here now for a number of months in the house. I'm sitting here in my little room talking into a microphone on a laptop connected to you through studio out in the league. It's remarkable the way we've all adjusted in, in our different aspects of, of our lives. Is it tough, though, to, you know, when you're up there, I've seen you on television and the crowd behind you and that that connection between you and people, is it more difficult on your own, in your kitchen, to, you know, be up for it without the roar of the crowd behind you? It, it, is, it is, yeah. Sometimes, like, because um, like, I, I know myself, if, I, if I'm up on a stage playing, like, uh, it's, it's a, it's a total, total different feeling. Like, you get a total different uh, kind of buzz out of it. And uh, for me, some, some players don't play as well in front of a crowd, but for me, it kind of gives me the drive and gives me the kind of energy to produce me best arts when, when I'm playing on stage but um, I just I think you just have to kind of overcome get, kind of get it out of your head that you're in your house you just it's a game of darts and it's still I still take it as competitive as at home as I do at a tournament say, in England like so it's just mm. it's a mindset just just have to adjust my mind to, to get used to playing at home and just still want to be winning everything like as, as I was trying to before well, you are winning, and you have adjusted because you became champion, did you, of the uh, Elite One Home League final? Is that one of them? Yeah, that, that's the um, target my my sponsor, and there was a uh, ten youth players playing, and um, it, it was ran over. I think it was eight weeks, so I, I was the eventual winner. Now it was a really great field of players. I was, I was delighted to, to win the tournament. Mm. So, so you know, you have adjusted and you have shown that your competitive edge is there, whether it's at home or up on that stage. You went very close, didn't you, to winning a proper tour card on the PDC. You, you were, you were in the in the final shout for it, and you just fell that little bit short. What about the months, the weeks, months, and the year ahead? God, do you know anything about how it's going to develop or how your ambition to get onto that tour might happen? It's hard to know at the minute what's what's going to happen, but I'm I'm hoping everything kind of goes gets back to normal soon. I mean, we can get back over in England playing because in January it's usually Q school, but with, with what's going on now, we don't know what's happening at all. But I'm hoping to get back over there and try to win my tour card, and I think maybe like it'll be the right time to get. But if not, I still have I still have lots of time ahead of me. But I, I know I'm playing good enough, and I, I think I can put it up to the best. So let's just hope. 
hope everything goes in the right direction for me. But there, there's always sometimes there's a few bumps in the road, but you just have to kind of overcome them. Absolutely. You're a fantastic young guy. I say that again. Nine darters. Have you done a nine darter in, in your time? I suppose that's a stupid question you're going to say to me, Jerry. I've done loads of them. I, I've, I've done maybe two or three. I've done one in a competition over in England. I was playing a, a youth tour in England and I hit a nine darter there. So that was my first in a game. And I hit, I hit maybe three or four in practice. So I did. So I've only ever won it in a competitive game. But it's, I, I, know, I know lads that, that hit tens and twenty nine darters but just for for me I'm I don't know, just nine darters are hard to come by for me but I still it's tough to when you when you're playing in the, such a competitive level to to be hitting nine darters in such big games. A rarity for sure, that nine dart finish. But when you're as talented as Keen, those extra special moments are just around the corner. Kelly Fincham's mother Patricia passed away in March. Subsequently Kelly had to deal with her late mum's paperwork. Here's Kelly outlining who had to be contacted and what happened with one of the utility companies. Just to give your listeners an idea, it, that involved the AIB, Electric Ireland, Sky, Borden Amona, the Inland Revenue for Property Tax, uh, the insurance company 123.ie and 3.ie. And because of COVID, you know, a lot of people weren't responding as quickly to calls. Even trying to get the death cert was, was quite an odyssey. Um, but everybody was wonderful, um, really, really nice. Everybody did their, their best to be helpful. Um, and then we ended up in a peculiar position with Electric Ireland because I had transferred everything into my name. I was paying the bill. I had changed over the direct debit because I knew that my mum's accounts would be frozen. And I don't know if any of your listeners were doing this, but in the early days of COVID, I was putting all my mail in a box for three days because I was under the impression that the virus could live on the cardboard or paper for 72 yes. hours, you know, and, and so I yes. was doing that, okay, which turned out to be a bad idea. But anyway, so I got mail in from Electric Ireland to say that the account is now closed on the 12th of May and you owe this. And it was sent to the representatives of Patricia Fincham. So I was like, well, that's fine, because I've already called them. I've dealt with them. Now, I didn't open that letter from Electric Ireland until they sent it out on the 14th of May. I don't think it actually got into the house until about the 20th of May. Remember, we were getting, you know, delayed mail at the time. Yes. And then it went into the, the plague box for three days. Mm. So even when I read it, I wasn't that concerned about it. Now, hot on its heels came another letter which said that your direct debit has been refused. Now, this was sent out on the 25th of May. And again, it got to the house, say, about the 30th of May, went into the plague box for three days. Um, and when I opened that, I thought, OK, that's really peculiar. Why is that happening? Because I've changed all of that. Um, didn't think about it. Thought, I have to call Electric Ireland, um, put it on my list of things to do. Thought I had loads of time because I thought I'd at least a month to try and get this sorted out. And then I got mail in from a company called Credit Management Outsource Solutions, and it was addressed to my mother. Oh, no. And Credit Management Outsource Solutions said, Dear Patricia Fincham, we are the authorised collection agents, and we've been instructed to recover these sums. Um, failure to contact us will result in the matter being passed over to solicitors, etc., and so forth. And I have to say I cried, <laughs> because I thought, how am I supposed to untangle all this? Um, I'm obviously not my mother. My mother can obviously not respond to this letter. So I thought, okay, there's something else for me to do. Two days later, I got a phone call from CMOS asking to speak to Patricia Fincham. And oh. I, just, I just remember sitting there going, you've you, you got to be kidding me. And they said, we'd like to speak to Patricia. And I said, well, I'm afraid you can't, you know. And I thought, surely it is on some of their paperwork somewhere. That I don't have to spell this out to them. And so they said, no, we need to speak to the owner of the account. We need to speak to Patricia Fincham. And I said, well, I'm afraid you'll have to pop up to Relic Weir there, but I can show you where the grave is, if that helps. And the woman went kind of quiet. And I just said, how can you do this? How can you ring someone and ask to speak to their dead mother when the reason you're ringing is because you need to talk to the representatives? How is that not on your paperwork? So she was very apologetic and she said, sorry. Um, and two days later, I got another phone call from CMOS asking again to speak to Patricia Fincham. Again? <laughs> again. Um, and that's when I sort of posted it on Facebook because 
it was an awful thing to happen. It is still an awful thing to happen. And I can only imagine it is happening up and down the country that people are getting phone calls for people who have recently died. And it's like, where's the sensitivity around this? Electric Ireland knew that they were dealing with the representatives of Patricia Fincham. So that information has to have been passed to CMOS, you know? And then yeah. the letter was, you know, quite scary. You know, I, I, can, I can only imagine a pensioner whose, whose partner has just died getting that letter, you know, and being frightened out of their wits because they think they're about to get chased by solicitors and then having to accept calls looking to speak to the other person. So, yeah. I'm having a lot of um, interesting yes, experiences. But this is very important to speak about this and tell the story and let it be known more widely because the last point you made there is what crossed my mind uh, since we've been talking about this is if you were somebody of an age and lost somebody and the vulnerability at that stage and the fear and the upset and everything and this happens, you're a feisty woman and we listen to what you said there how it hit you hard. You know what I mean as well. Yeah. So look, here, here's the thing. Um, there's something wrong here. There's something radically wrong here because you did, and allowing even for the delay in post and the pandemic and, ever, and everything besides, this sh- still should not have happened. It's, a, it's an area that really needs attention. It really does. Now, we did contact, as you know, Electric Ireland on your behalf here on Late Lunch, our Louise. And uh, they said they'd take up the case. And uh, we've been toing and froing. Now, with not a whole lot of words, I have to say. Anyway, this is the latest today from them. And I know you can uh, respond to this. We got it uh, from Electric Ireland, uh, from Grania, who says uh, that Electric Ireland has attempted to make contact with the customer in question. I presume they're talking about you there and not your late mother. Once they make contact, they will resolve the issue directly with them. I assure you of our attention, says Grania. That's from Electric Ireland. Can you update us on that? I can. And I have to say that Electric Ireland have handled this matter as of today extremely swiftly. And... It's a, it's a nice story, which I'll tell you. But the other part of that is if your show hadn't made contact with them, I think I'd still be sitting here getting phone calls from the outsourcing company. Um, so it is kind of incumbent on these companies to, you know, maybe change the way they operate. But, and there's a Drahada connection, which you'll be delighted to hear. I got a call yesterday, um, which I returned today from somebody called Jimmy Milne, who's from Ballsgrove, would you believe? Okay. Um, and he was the person tasked with sorting all this out. He had it all sorted in about five minutes. Um, he's applied a discount on my mum's old electricity bill. He has taken the he didn't he couldn't take the payment himself over the phone, but he has added that payment onto my direct debit. And he couldn't have been more apologetic. And you know, he said himself, this should never have happened. You know, CMOS when they're contacting people should be aware of who it is that they're contacting. And I mean it's a spreadsheet, it's got a name on it. It's really not difficult for them to do. So I have to say that Electric Ireland after your intervention, have been fantastic. But, and I would still see a, a bigger problem with why do these accounts go out so quickly for collection when they involve someone who's deceased and it's obvious that there's, there's, a, there's a bank screw up there somewhere along the line. It's something that can be resolved. It's not someone skipping out on a bill. Yeah. Why then oh. are these collection agencies allowed to operate? You know, and, and quite a... Like the language in the letter was... Um, I'd say if my mother had received that after my father had died, she wouldn't have been the better of it. Mm. And that is a very important point to make. But it shouldn't have happened. It sounds a bit trigger happy, if I could use that word, very fast to react to something. There should be more time allowed and it should never have happened. Well done to Jimmy Millen in Electric Ireland for uh, sorting this out in a jig time uh, for you yeah. but uh, it, we shouldn't have to and I thank you for, for uh, uh, mentioning it we shouldn't have to do this on behalf of anybody this should be a matter of course that this never happens with utility companies and I, I want to make that very very clear so you're sorted after an eventful number of weeks Kelly finally sorted um, but again thanks to your intervention which came on foot of a Facebook post and I know that there are hundreds if not thousands of other people out there who mightn't have caught someone's attention so quickly and are probably still making all these dreadful phone calls. There is nothing worse 
than ringing someone to say that, you know, that someone close to you has died and that you need to change everything over. Um, and some of the companies I spoke to are amazing. Um, mm. Some of them have bereavement support units, so they will automatically route you that way so you don't have to keep answering silly questions. But some people have a bit of work to do on this. That's for sure, Kelly. Let's hope they do learn from the upset caused. And what a story we have to conclude our look back this week. Joe and Katie Woods will celebrate their first wedding anniversary in a couple of weeks' time. That first year together is extra special, but in the Woods' case, the last 12 months have been memorable for very different reasons. Here's Joe explaining what happened to him late last year. It was in around November time last year, and um, I sort of felt like pains in my chest and stuff, and I I just thought it was... uh, a bit of indigestion, so I, I didn't really pass any remarks of it. And um, I went to the doctor then just to see what he said, and he gave me a couple of tablets for it, and um, thought nothing of it for a couple of weeks. And then uh, the pain started to progress around to me back, and it uh, got so severe. Um, I was lying on the ground, and I lost weight. I was getting sweats, shakes, and I couldn't speak. It was just, it was just horrendous now. Uh, unless you physically feel the pain that I felt, it's, it's hard to really describe, but... Um, it got so bad that Katie rang an ambulance for me one night and I was taken into hospital and they'd done a couple of tests and they didn't really know what was wrong. So I sent home on painkillers, um, not really thinking anything about it. And then about two days later, uh, another a- ambulance was rang for me and uh, this time I was kept in for a week and they'd done CT scans, uh, bloods, x-rays um, and then they'd done MRI and uh, I ended up getting four biopsies done on my back and one on my neck. And I ended up getting surgery on my neck as well. And they found out that my diagnosis was cancer and uh, lymphoma. And uh, we, uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma. And uh, it was just a big massive shock to the system to, to be told that's what it was. After me just thinking it was a bit of indigestion and a sore back. So it was quite a shock. I'm sure it was. Did you suspect that it would be anything as serious as lymphoma? No, I, like, when I first started, um, that was the last thing in my mind. Um, I wouldn't really complain about anything. And Katie always has a job to get me to go to the doctor or anywhere from feeling unwell. Um, so that was the last thing that was going through my mind. And we were just in the hospital uh, in the ward and the doctor came in and he just said, you know, it's suspected lymphoma. And we were just sitting in shock. I didn't really know what lymphoma was, to be honest with you, when he said it first. And then he explained it was a type of cancer. And then uh, that's when it really hit home. And um, I ended up getting a scan after that, and it showed that the lymphoma was in my back, my bones, uh, my stomach and my chest, and my neck where they removed the uh, lymph-, lymph nodes uh, after the surgery. So uh, it was quite a shock to the system, all right. Do you think about life when you're given that news? Do you sit there and do you think to yourself, where am I going? What's going to happen to me? Yeah, look... I was, I'm, I'm 31 today actually, but at 30 years old, uh, to be told something like that, it's pretty scary. And um, especially after just being married, it's not something that we expected. We didn't expect our first year to be such a roller coaster. Um, but this is the cards we were dealt and we just had to get on with it. But um, I had a meeting now with a doctor and it wasn't my oncology doctor that I was referred to, but it was the doctor I, I was under at the start. And I asked him in the room, um, like, what's the outcome of this? Will I be here this time next year? And uh, I told him to give me an honest answer, and he did. And he said, I can't, I can't say that you will be here next year. We just have to wait and see what happens. So that was another scary thought uh, to be told, uh, sitting in the doctor's office. And, you know, it just sort of hit home then what the seriousness of the illness. Um, but thank God uh, it didn't come to that, and I, I, I'm in remission here now. It's, it's a great story. It really is. You went uh, on chemotherapy. What was the chemotherapy like? Because you are a fit sportsman and, of course, you were someone who had that in your mind all the time, I'm sure, and it was an inspiration to you. I want to get back playing uh, football with Napiersig someday. Um, what, what, how were you feeling? Would you have been able to do anything when going through the treatment? Well, the chemotherapy that I'm getting is called ABVD and it's a very tough chemo on the system and they told me this at the start. And it encouraged me to keep up a bit of exercise. It helps with the fatigue and the sickness. But um, I thought to myself, okay, I'll keep up with the same from the pier. So we had just started back training. And um, I had done two training sessions before the lockdown. And I I think I'd received one chemo 
session at that stage. But looking back now, I don't think I would have been able to do it. Just the toll it's taken on my body has been incredible. Um, you know, I'm doing a bit of training now at the minute on my own before I can join back up with the squad. And just trying to recover from a small run is it's very difficult. I'm very out of breath, very unfit, very ty- uh, very tired. So I don't think I would have been able to play uh, as much as I wanted. I just would have had to be honest with myself and said, I have to step back for a while. I won't be able to do this. But uh, thank God, because of the lockdown for me, it sort of suited football-wise because I haven't really missed anything. I missed a couple of friendlies now from the Pierce. But I'll be able to join up with the squad at the end of July, please God, after I'm finished chemo and um, start playing a bit of ball again. You're a remarkable man, I have to say. But timing is everything in life. And obviously this lockdown coincided and was a healthy as well. You weren't looking out thinking, geez, look what I'm missing here. And anyway, just back to the treatment in remission at the moment. And they're very happy with you. Yeah, I got um, a PET scan in Dublin after my fourth session of chemo. And uh, it showed that I was in remission. I was responding well to the chemotherapy, uh, which was just unbelievable news to hear. And um, it sort of pushed me on then to, to get through the rest of it. Um, and then I have another PET scan now after my last chemo session, probably in around mid-August. And um, all going well, that scan will show no traces of cancer left. And uh, I'll be able to, to move on with the, the rest of my life, as I say. Great news, Joe. Katie then takes up the story, going back to a month after they were married. So we were just um, married the 19th of July last year. And then we went on our honeymoon and we were home from our honeymoon 11 days. And I was actually due to go back to work. Um, I work as a social care worker for St John of God in Drum Care. And I was due to go back to work that Monday. And lo and behold, um, my world turned upside down because I had um, a stroke. What age are you? I was 26 at the time. I'm 27 now. 26 years of age and you yeah. have a stroke. Where, where were you when this happened? Were you in company? Were you on your own? No, I was I was on my own. Joseph had um, gone to work early that morning and I was just getting up ready to go to work, which kind of made it a, like nearly 100 times scarier because I was on my own and I just thought like I was going to go unconscious and nobody would be able to find me maybe. But I ended up, I got help eventually, thank God. So somebody was looking down on me. <laughs> I know you were in touch with him and, uh, you know, he was working. But uh, as you say, there was hope near, uh, help near to hand. So you straight to the hospital. You know this thing, F-A-S-T. I'm sure you're very familiar with it now. When somebody has a stroke, you were in there fast. Yes, yeah, so I was fast positive. I had right side paralysis and I lost the sight in my right eye and I couldn't speak. So there was a lot of different things kind of going on and it was very scary. I lost all coordination. I couldn't walk properly. I couldn't stand up straight. I couldn't really see properly. There was different kind of things flashing in front of my face and stuff. But my mum eventually came up to the house. She had a key to the house. So she came in and um, she found me and took me straight up to the hospital. So I was very, very lucky in a way, but unlucky in the same way. (laughs) Yeah. Could they pinpoint what caused this? Or what you know, they did a lot of tests and investigations. Besides the rehab you've been going through as well, were they able to say to you definitively what caused? No, so they aren't one hundred percent sure of what the cause of my stroke was, but they did loads of weird and wonderful kind of tests and stuff up in the stroke unit in Drogheda, and they found that I had a hole in my heart, a PFO, um, that I never, I never knew about. So it was a possible cause that it clocked passed through the hole of my heart and reached my brain that way. But um, we, we don't know. But I ended up testing positive anyway for this PFO. So I got surgery done in the Matter Hospital in Dublin then to, to close the hole up. So they put a little closure device into my heart. So, And you never knew about this in your life up until then, that you had this condition? No, I didn't. I had like a few different kind of um, things, well, not things wrong with my heart, like, in the run up to this I had different a little heart condition my heart was too fast and stuff but um, I never knew about the never knew about the hole in my heart and you've been through uh, rehabilitation I know with Dunleary the fantastic people there how are you now are you fully recovered yeah nearly everything is kind of back to normal um, I suffer a good bit with fatigue post-stroke fatigue and um, I have quite a, quite a bit of memory loss still but I'm kind of trying to build build my uh, build my get my memory loss and stuff like back up and um, but other other than that I think my arm has come back to full use 
um, thank God, because that was paralysed from my shoulder to the tips of my fingers. So it's um, it's a lot, lot better than it was. It might not just be as strong as it was, but I have full mobility in it, and my sight's completely back, and I've been approved to drive again. It's brilliant. Like I'm just thinking here, you see, you guys. Whoever is up in those heavens or looks after us in this world, us frail humans, whoever you are, I hope you're listening to me today. These people have had enough in their lifetime. The Woodses, Joe and Katie, please, it's all done now. It's all finished. They've they've had their fair share. Oh, my word. In your first year of marriage. But here there is fantastic news. Tell them. Go on. Tell them your news. Yeah, so there's there's light at the end of the tunnel, so we're expecting our first baby in October. I'm hearing my own, but I'm clapping like, oh, good on you, good on you. Isn't that just wonderful? Yeah, so it's the silver lining after a horrible, horrible year. That's this uh, something, something to look forward to, thank God, so... Did you ever think, you know, like it was you first and then, of course, you're only in recovery and going through what you're going through. And then the other flood decides to join you, you know what I mean, in the in the whole sphere of of this mix and gather of a health year. Do you ever think that? Why us? Did, did, did that thought ever come to you? Well, yeah, no, definitely. But I think Joseph might have been just a wee bit jealous of all the attention I was getting. Maybe. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just admire you so much that the way you can look on this and the outlook. But is that an aspect of it, Katie, that, you know, despite the darkest of days that we face, you have to find a way through and beyond? Definitely, yeah. They, like one of our kind of key things about the, the whole kind of journey is just to try and stay as positive as we can. Because when you when you look at it, look at it like it is, it is very, very tough and it has been so hard, but... On the bright side, like we're both still here, we're both alive, and we're bringing a little baby into the world in October. So it's um, yeah, positive, positive times ahead. But there's no point in sitting, sitting dwelling on it, and sitting at home feeling sorry for ourselves because it just, it just make the whole situation worse. So we just have to kind of get on with it. So that's that's what we're doing. What date's your wedding anniversary? The nineteenth of July. Okay, and where did you have your reception? So we had our reception in the Four Seasons in Carlingford. Oh, beautiful looking out over the bay there. I know it well. <laughs> yeah, yeah it was fabulous. It was lovely for photographs and everything. It was really, really good. Now. Yeah, and little did you know on that day, and you'll come to, it's a very special day. It's going to be for you this year when you reflect on the year and look ahead to October as well. What life would hold in store for you? None of us do, but some of us have more difficult aspects to deal with as well. Um, are you going to go back there on the 19th, do you think, for to market or have you any plans for the anniversary? Um, at the minute, there's no, no plans, but um, Joseph's due to finish his chemotherapy the following week. So um, there'll definitely be a celebration for, at some stage that week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's a very special day. Leave that one with me, will you, for the time being, the 19th of July. Just leave that leave, leave that with me for a minute. I want to go away and have a little thought about that. I'll be back to you, I promise, on that. Would you put me back to him, to himself there just before I finish? Congratulations to you again. You're just lovely. Thanks a million, Jerry. I'll put you back on to him now. Yeah, thanks, Katie. Thanks so much. Hi, Jerry. Two gems, that's what you are, that found one another. You're a gem and she's a gem as well, and here you are together. And how are you feeling about the new Babby on the way? Uh, it's it's fantastic. You know, when before I started chemo, um, we had asked uh, the nurses, you know, what's the chances of conceiving and things like that. And we were told um, not to, you might never conceive after chemo. And definitely, you shouldn't be trying for at least two and a half years afterwards. So we decided... Uh, We'd uh, we try before I started the chemo, and we got lucky, and it was just great because it was ju- it just made everything so much easier for us. And um, knowing that when when the chemo was over, we had so much to look forward to in October, and uh, the new baby coming, and it's just great, and it gave us it gave us just so much to fight for, and just to get through it all. I sit here today, and I just think, you know, the inspiration I feel, and I'm sure my listeners feel today, listening to both of you. Look at what we've been through as a country and it's not been easy, as you know, Joe, for many, many families in this country and all the people we've lost. It's been a very, very tough time. But, you know, what a lot of us who've come through this and that have to put up with is nothing compared to what you as a couple have come through this last year. I say it again. 
You're inspiring, you're wonderful, and I'm delighted with your news in October. I want one more word with ourselves. I better leave the last word to the lady, Joe. You know what I mean? I don't want to get into bother here, if that's all right. Put her back on to me a minute. I wish you well, Joe. Thank you very much, Jerry. I wish you well. Katie, Hi, Katie, I, 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 you know, you know, I want to get. I understand the way these uh, marriages work, and that you have to define. You have to final say here. Anyway, look, I'm just coming back to you to say that I and LMFM Radio are going to organise the 19th of July for both of you. Is that okay? Oh my God! Thanks so much, Sherry. <laughs> what a couple, Katie and Joe Woods, and we'll make sure they celebrate a year like no other. That's it for the moment. We'll have more interesting conversations with great guests soon for you on our next podcast. In the meantime, do join us each afternoon for Late Lunch Live from 1.30 on your station, LMFM. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.